John, the book of Mark tonight, the book of Mark, <clears throat> chapter number 16, the book of Mark, chapter number 16. <clears throat> and you find your place, if you're able to stand tonight, Mark chapter number 16, Mark chapter number 16. We were getting ready to, for service tonight, and we were back in the back praying, <clears throat> and uh, I said something about the last time I preached, I slipped out of my shoe. If you were here that Sunday morning, I was walking up the steps. You forgot that, and if not, it, yeah, you can go back and watch the live stream. So Abram looked at me and said, man, you ought to just preach with no shoes on tonight, you know? So I thought, well, I might not smell too good, but, you know. Anyway, we're in, Lord willing, going to keep shoes on tonight. Uh, if you find Mark chapter 16, if you're able to and you have something to mark it, uh, put a mark there. We're going we're gonna to start in Mark 16, but we're actually going to uh, go to a couple of different passages of Scripture tonight, and we'll eventually make our way back to Mark 16, but that's where we're going to start at tonight and springboard into the message tonight. Uh, we know this, at the mar- end of the bo- book of Mark, end of the Gospel of Mark, uh, by this point in time, we've already had the crucifixion, we've had the resurrection, uh, we've had Jesus at this point in time. Uh, appearing before his disciples, and he's getting ready to ascend up into heaven. And in Mark chapter number 16, I want you to notice in verse number 14 what the Bible says. It says this in verse number 14. It says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat and meet, and abradeth them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Now notice verse 15. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them and be, that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. I want you to notice verse 15 tonight, and it's primarily where we'll be at uh, the theme for tonight. It is the missions month here at Riverside Baptist Church. So verse 15, the Bible says, And he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking unto his disciples, he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Father, we thank you for tonight, and Lord, again, the privilege it is to be back in your house this Wednesday night. Lord, I know many uh, have worked hard today. They've spent time at work. They've spent time at home, spent time at school. Uh, Lord, many, maybe even tonight, are carrying burdens upon them. Or there's things maybe going on in their life, things that no one knows about but you and them. Or maybe tonight, there are some here that are just, uh, Lord, just, they just need to hear from you. And God, we ask tonight that you'd speak to our hearts. Or we know it is Missions Month here at Riverside Baptist Church. And tonight is going to be a, a missions message, a missions themed message. But God, I pray that you challenge us, as even as I've studied this afternoon, just being challenged in my outlook and my thought process, even when it comes to missions. And Lord, so easy it is for us just to come in and, and uh, to put money in the plate and maybe to read a missions prayer letter, but reality is, is missions is way bigger than just that. Lord, missions is the heartbeat of God. And I pray tonight that we would see that, we'd be encouraged, Lord, we'd be encouraged tonight, Lord, to keep missions the forefront, not just foreign missions, Lord, as we walk out of these doors, out of the doors of this sanctuary, we are entering a mission field, the mission field of St. Joseph, or the mission field of Savannah, of Kansas City, or the mission field of Central High School and Savannah High School, or wherever we might be, 
It's a mission field. Lord, help us to see that tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. We would all agree tonight that everyone has an eternal destiny, right? We'd agree. We'd agree tonight that everybody has an eternal destiny. And when a person dies, he or she will either spend an eternity in heaven or hell. Would we agree to that, right? Everybody say amen. There's no purgatory. There's no in-between. There's no none of that. It's either heaven or hell. And depending upon what they do with Jesus Christ will determine whether or not they spend eternity in heaven or hell. And by saying that, we would also agree tonight that the gospel, or we could put it this way, salvation makes all the difference in one's life. We would agree tonight that everybody has an eternal destiny, whether it's heaven or whether it's hell, but really when you boil it down to it, salvation, it makes all the difference in an individual's life. According to Mark chapter number 5, the maniac of Gadara was a crazy, demon-possessed individual who spent his time in the graveyard. The Bible tells us that the people of the city had empathy toward him and would chain him to the tombstone so that he wouldn't hurt himself. But when Jesus came by, when Jesus passed by, when Jesus specifically went to the maniac, his life was forever changed. When salvation came to him, his life was completely changed. That's what happens when salvation takes place in an individual's heart and life. In Acts chapter number 9, we find the story of the Apostle Paul. But before he's the Apostle Paul, he is simply Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Saul was one who was a powerful and gifted leader, but he was one that persecuted the Jews, more specifically the Jews that had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so Saul lived his life to harm and destroy the church and destroy God's people. But there came a day in Saul's life on the road to Damascus that a light shone from heaven. And Paul recognized, sorry, Saul recognized right away, this wasn't just the light of the sun. This wasn't just uh, the light uh, just in the sky. No, no, this was, this was the Lord himself. And so here's what the Bible tells us. Saul responded to that light and said this, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Saul was converted that day on the road to Damascus. And from ever, from that point at the road to Damascus to now, Saul is probably recognized as one of the greatest missionaries or one of the greatest church planners that has ever walked the face of this earth. But that's what salvation did to his life. Acts chapter number 16, we read the story of the Philippian jailer. This Philippian jailer was, had the responsibility to guard Paul and Silas. And we know this, that Paul and Silas were thrown into prison for sharing the gospel. But that night, Paul and Silas, instead of complaining, instead of whining, instead of posting on Facebook and on Twitter, they decided to pray. They decided to sing. They decided to glorify and praise God. And here's what took place. At midnight, the Bible tells us, there was a great earthquake, uh, earthquake that took place. And then the walls were shaken, and the doors were open, and the chains that bound Paul and Silas, and not just Paul and Silas, but the other prisoners, were loose. That's the, that's the power God has tonight. The Bible goes on to tell us that the Philippian jailer looked at what was taking place and knew that obviously, man, everybody had to have escaped. I mean, here they are. They're bound in chains. They're in prison. Now they're free. I mean, man, the the doors are open. Oh, my goodness. So the Bible tells us that he draws his sword to take his own life. But before he can take his own life, Paul cries out to him and says these words, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. The Bible then tells us this, that the jailer responds and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I can only imagine that as Paul and Silas were in the jailhouse and as they're singing and as they're praising God and as they're praying, I'm sure that somewhere in the mix of that, the Bible doesn't give it specifically, but I'm kind of reading between the lines, if you would, tonight, Brother Jim, that somewhere in there, Paul and Silas was given the salvation plan. Somewhere in there, Paul was was speaking to that Philippian jailer and and, and preaching Christ to that Philippian jailer as well as the others that were in prison. And I can only imagine that as, as, as Paul was preaching or as Silas was preaching and as they were glorifying and honoring God, that the Holy Ghost conviction began 
to come upon that Philippian jailer and, and seeing what was taking place and ready to take his life. And then Paul crying out, no, 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 don't, don't take your life. Don't, don't take your life. Immediately, he's like, okay, I, I got to get down to the nitty gritty, if you will. I got to get down to the most important thing. The most important thing is not necessarily that they're still in the jail. The most important thing is to know how I can be saved. The Bible gives us this account that the Philippian jailer was saved, but not only the Philippian jailer, but his whole house. Man, what a testimony of salvation. Mary Magdalene was possessed, according to Mark chapter 16, verse number 9. She was possessed with seven demons, seven devils. But when she got saved, her life was forever changed. She was present at Christ's crucifixion. She was present at his burial. She was present at his resurrection, as well as many important events that took place within the four Gospels. So how does a person possessed with seven devils come to be clean and to be cleansed and to be able to witness all these things? Can I say this tonight? That because she had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Because she came to a point in her life where she was met with the reality of my destiny is either heaven or my destiny is hell. And Mary got to the point where she could not put her faith and confidence in religion, but she had to put it in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The Ethiopian eunuch, we read about him in Acts chapter number 8, was able to receive Christ as his personal Savior because Philip obeyed the Lord's command to go to the desert. You see, God sent Philip to be a witness to an Ethiopian eunuch once the eunuch was saved and baptized, no longer was Philip around. God had a specific plan, a specific purpose for Philip. You see, throughout the scriptures, we see a constant theme of individuals, male, female, does not matter. We see a constant theme of individuals needing salvation and God orchestrating, if you would, a divine appointment. Before Christ ascended to heaven, he gave the church here in this text here, in Mark chapter number 16, what we commonly refer to as the Great Commission. The commission is found in all four Gospels as well as the book of Acts. And it is from this commission that we get the, the, the mission, we get missions, if you would. The mandate, the, the thought process, the, the goal of evangelizing the world. But tonight I want you to think about this for a second. Missions is more than money. Missions is more than money. They say, wait a minute, Brother Andrew, I thought we had to have like a faith promise giving. No, no, I, 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 hold up, time out for a second. Missions... Is more than money. Years ago, I was in a missions conference in Colorado, and the preacher was preaching, and he made a statement, he made a bold statement. He took, a, he took an offering plate, took an offering plate, Brother D, and he put it down in front of the church. And he said this, he made this statement. He said, until you're willing to get in that offering plate yourself, you can put as much money as you want in that plate. He goes, but missions begins when you put yourself in that plate, and you say to God, God, I'm all in. God, I'm all in to evangelize the world. God, whatever it takes, whatever you need from me, of me, my life, my finances, my time, my talents, whatever it is, God, I'm all in. But missions is more than money. Can I say this tonight, that missions is more than a yearly commitment? Come on, missions is more than a yearly commitment. Here later on this month, we'll get our missions giving cards for our faith promise commitments for this next year, for the end of 2021, into 2022 but just because we put a number on there and just because we tear it off and put it in the offering plate, just because we fill out a, a tithing envelope once a week and put our missions given, listen, no, no, it's more than just a yearly commitment. No, no, we make commitments. We make commitments for car payments, house payments, credit card payments, school bill payments. We make commitments to the IRS. Ugh. Man, we make all kinds of commitments. But listen, missions, it's not, just, it's not just a yearly commitment. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. You see, missions tonight is the heartbeat of God. Missions is the declaration of the gospel to a lost and dying world. 
Missions is giving men, women, boys, and girls the opportunity to hear the gospel message. Missions is giving every human being the opportunity to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and to secure their eternal destiny. Why? Why is it so important? Why is it so? Why do we take the time as Riverside Baptist Church to focus on missions? Why do we continue to support missions? I believe this so we can find the answer within the pages of our Bible tonight. Usually when we think of missions, we simply solely focus upon the Great Commission. But the truth is, as you study your Bible, that missions began way before, way before Jesus Christ gave the Great Commission. No, no, missions began back in Genesis chapter number 3. No, no, when God saw the need of man, that man needed a Savior, Jesus Christ. Missions began when God recognized the need that man had, and God said, I will fulfill that need. I will make sure that I have a a perfect sacrifice that can fulfill the need for that sinful atonement. Missions began with God. God is the greatest missionary of all mankind. Greater than you and I, greater than the Apostle Paul. He is the greatest missionary ever. And so we would agree tonight, having knowing this, that God is being the greatest missionary, is that we serve a missions-minded God. We serve a God who desires that all men come to repentance, according to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. And if he were not missions-minded or missions-hearted or missions-focused, there'd be no need for Riverside Baptist Church. And I got real quiet. So he's like, man, Brother Andrew, what are you saying tonight? No, no, let's think for a second. Riverside Baptist Church does not exist to be a social club. That's not the purpose of Riverside Baptist Church. Riverside Baptist Church does not exist just to make ourselves feel good. Riverside Baptist Church doesn't exist just so we can check off the box on Sunday or on Wednesday night or on Sunday night or revival meetings or missions conference meetings or special meetings. No, no. Riverside Baptist Church exists for the mission solely of propagating the gospel to a lost and dying world. No, no. Music's great. Brother John, music's great. Special's great. Preaching, great. But at the end of the day, Riverside Baptist Church exists to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the countries that are represented around this auditorium, to the men and women who walk down the streets in St. Joseph, Missouri. Listen, to the homes of the United States of America, to the homes across the globe. That is, that is, that is why we exist. We don't exist to be solely focused upon ourselves. No, no. We exist to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is our responsibility to propagate that gospel. Otherwise... There would be no need for Riverside Baptist Church. If the message of the gospel could not save every sinner, there would be no reason to take it to every nation. Thus, there would be no need for the Great Commission. The church exists today solely for this, the propagation of the gospel message. Well, Brother Andrew, what is the gospel message? The gospel message could basically be summed up this way, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel message could be summed up like this, Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect Sinless life, died upon the cross of Calvary, bearing your sins and my sins. Listen, not just of those that would accept him, but even the sins of mankind that would reject him. He bore their sins upon the cross of Calvary. Why? So that our eternal destiny could be heaven and not hell. The church that Jesus began and established in the Gospels was built on the same foundations that Riverside Baptist Church has been built, established, and sustained upon. Jesus being the chief cornerstone of the church. Jesus being the chief cornerstone of Riverside Baptist Church. But just as the church rests upon a strong foundation, there's got to be a strong foundation when it comes to missions. So Lord willing, tonight I'm going to give you three foundations that we base upon for base our missions program on. Hold your place there in Mark, and let's go to John chapter number 3. We're going to do a little bit of, a couple of passages of Scripture here tonight. 
John chapter number 3. A strong missions program rests upon a strong foundation. I'm going to give you three foundations of a strong missions program tonight that we can see from Scripture. Here's foundation number one. Ready? A compassionate God. The missions program of Riverside Baptist Church rests upon this, the compassion of God. Notice John chapter 3, verse number 16. Look what the Bible says. We're like, Brother Andrew, I know this verse. Look what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 gives us a description, if you would, of God's love, a description of his compassion. And if we were to break down John 3.16 in the theme of missions, here's what we would see. For God. That's the start of missions. Listen, missions doesn't start with Brother Andrew. Missions doesn't start with Brother Jim. No, no. Missions started with God. God saw the need. God saw the plan. God saw the purpose. God saw the desire. God saw the design for God, the start of missions. But then the Bible tells us this, so love. That's the motive of missions. No, no, listen, I'm thankful tonight. I'm thankful tonight that I serve a God in heaven who loves me. I'm thankful tonight that when I make mistakes and and do stupid things and, and walk off into temptation and sinful living, Brother John, that there is still a God who loves me. Listen, he doesn't love me based upon my actions. He doesn't love me based upon just my stupidity. Man, he loves me unconditionally. He loves me unconditionally. But man, for God, so love, the motive of missions. But then the Bible tells us this, the world. That's the scope of missions. So here's God in heaven. For God, so loved. Man, what great compassion. But then the Bible tells us this, the world. God doesn't see just an individual. God sees all of mankind. We were listening to a message uh, yesterday morning. Uh, Brother Brother Dusher from Parsons, Kansas, preached a message yesterday morning. And he was talking about the stars in the sky. And he was talking about the sun. Remember that message, guys? The sun and the moon. And and, and I'll I'll tell you what, it's amazing to think about. It's amazing to just stop and think about all that God did. All that God did. And I'm going to paraphrase kind of the message here uh, tonight. But he, he mentioned about how God created, obviously, the sun and the moon. But if you read in the book of Genesis, the account of Genesis, God says also, and the stars also. It's almost like the stars were, you just kind of like, oh, and the stars also. And Brother Dustin was saying this. He said, how amazing is it that the God, the creator of the universe, the God in heaven, loved you and I so much. He's the guy that created the sun and the stars and the moon, sets everything in motion. And he gave all these scientific facts, Brother Greer. I mean, you would have, you would have loved it, Brother Greer. I, was, I, I didn't have a piece of paper to write down. I'll just Google it later is what I was thinking. But man, to think about all that God did in heaven and all that God's done and all that, listen, everything that God holds together for all these years. Man, that's the God I serve. But God sees the scope of missions. And then John 3.16 tells us this, that he gave his only begotten son. That's the cost. Man, that's the cost of missions right there. So, Brother Andrew, I thought, I, thought, I thought the cost was like 50 bucks a week. That's the wrong thinking. Man, I thought the cost was like, you know, $25 a week or $100 a month or $1,000 a month. Or, no, 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 no. The cost of missions was God's only begotten son. The cost of missions was Jesus Christ's blood upon the cross of Calvary. That was the cost of missions. Then he says this, the Bible says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I say this tonight, that's the hope. The hope. And I'm thankful for men and women. I'm thankful for families, not just here in St. Joseph, but even going throughout the world that would be willing to take the gospel. 
And the hope and the desire and the prayers, we go out and we pass out tracts and we knock doors and we invite people to church and we bring them in on the bus ministry or they drive up in and they're in our Sunday school classes, they're in our church service. Man, the hope, here's the hope. The hope is that they would recognize their need of Jesus Christ in their life. That's the hope, that's the desire. No, no, that, that's the goal, if you would, of Riverside Baptist Church. You see, the love of God has, that God has for mankind is, is extravagant. We read about that in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. The Bible says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Listen, God's love isn't just ever uh, extravagant, but God's love is this. It's also exhaustive. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, here's what, here's what the Bible says. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Man, I'm thankful when we think about missions, we think about the compassion of God. God's not just compassionate upon you and I that sit here tonight, that we know Jesus Christ, our personal Lord and Savior. No, no, God's compassionate toward those outside these walls, outside these doors, who right now, if they were to take their last breath, would split hell wide open. That's the kind of God we serve. And so often we look at missions and we think about, oh, it's just, Brother Andrew, it's just the money, or it's the missionaries that go out, or it's the buses that go out, or it's the tracks that I give. But can I say this tonight, Riverside Baptist Church? Man, let's not forget the compassion of God. When we think about missions, let's not forget about the compassion of God. May it, listen, may it motivate us, may it, may it convict us. Man, I was reading this this afternoon and studying and thinking, man, how, how often do we come to church? How often do we come to church on a Sunday morning and we see visitors and we have no compassion toward them? One of the, the second message that was preached yesterday, Brother Ben Quinlan was preaching and he was talking about how there are those within our churches or those within our ministry that, that didn't grow up in church. They got saved later in life and they need, they need some time to develop, need some time, some instruction. And basically kind of along these lines of where's our compassion? Where's our compassion? No, no, when, when people walk in the doors of Riverside Baptist Church, what's our first thought? Is our first thought this? Is there eternal destiny heaven? Is there eternal destiny hell? Is that our first thought? I mean, that ought to be our motivation. It ought to be our thought process, Brother John. It ought to be consideration that when someone walks in that we don't, we don't know, or maybe they've come the last three or four weeks, or maybe we just see them on Sunday mornings, that we went, that we went befriend them and ask them if they know for sure that heaven's their home. Hey, listen, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of coming in and, and shaking hands, Brother Jim, and saying, how you doing? I'm Brother Andrew. Good to meet you. What's your name? I'll just throw out a name. Tom, Tom, good to meet you. Thanks for coming to Riverside Baptist Church. And that might be the only conversation I have with that individual. And yet that individual could leave these doors on a Sunday morning and never step foot back inside this building, could walk off into eternity and split hell wide open. And there's a compassionate God in heaven who says, man, I've got so much love for them that I led them and I brought them to Riverside Baptist Church. And I had the opportunity and the privilege, Brother John, to take the word of God and say, hey, do you know for sure heaven's your home? Yet I didn't have the compassion like my heavenly father. And they walked right on out into eternity. Listen, the pillar, the foundation, if you would, of a good missions program, number one, is based upon the compassionate God that we serve in heaven. Now turn over to Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter number one. I'll give you the second thing tonight. Missions is carried out on the foundation of a compassionate God, but then in Romans chapter number one, we see the second thing tonight. Look at Romans chapter number 1, and notice in verse number 14 what the Bible says. We know this, that this is Paul. He's, he's writing to the Christians that are in Rome, so we know, 
We know kind of now, we, we talked a little bit ago about Saul being saved on the road to Damascus. Now he's the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the Christians that are at Rome. This isn't specifically a, a, an epistle written to a, the church at Rome. It's writing to the Christians at Rome. And so he says this in verse number 14. He says, I. Paul's speaking about himself here. He's not talking about them. He's not talking about Silas or Barnabas or anybody else. He's talking about himself. He says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Number two tonight, Missions is carried out on the foundation not only of a compassionate God, but missions is carried out on the foundation of a compelling message. In Romans chapter number 1, verse number 14 through verse number 17, Paul declares that he is indebted to God to give the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's say that again. I want us to sink in just for a second. Paul declares that he is indebted to God to give the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, why would Paul be indebted to give the gospel? There's only one answer. Because he himself received it. You know what that means? It means I'm indebted. Brother Mike, you know what that means? It means you're indebted. Brother Nathan, you know what that means? It means you're indebted. Brother Walt, it means you're indebted. Brother John, it means you're indebted. Wait a minute. It means all of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ are indebted. You see, we have a compelling message tonight to declare to the world. But let me ask you this question tonight. Does the world hear the message? Well, Brother Andrew, you don't understand. Like, man, it's, it's bad out there. I mean, it's really bad out there. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough at work. It's tough at school. Oh, I know that. It's just tough driving down the road. Oh, yeah, I know that too. Drove down to Kansas City yesterday morning. Woo, man. Brother John, I feel for you making that drive every morning. Yeah, man, it's tough sometimes, right? But that doesn't mean we aren't indebted anymore to get the gospel out. That doesn't mean that we can slack off on our responsibility. It doesn't mean that Paul was going, hey, listen, man, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been stoned. I've been left for dead. I've been mocked. I've been ridiculed. I've been falsely accused. Ah, I mean, I've been in prison, man. My life's just a mess. I cannot give the gospel anymore. No, no, look what he says, verse 14. He says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. You know what he's saying in verse 14? Wrote this inside of my Bible. No excuses. Paul says this, I have no excuse not to give the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a compelling message that the world needs to hear. You see, Paul was compelled to share it with whoever and whomever he could. So great was the sense of the obligation that Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians to the church at Corinth. Uh, chapter number 9, verse 16, he said, Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a compelling message that is distinct, it is a distinct message. It is a specific message. Every major religion relies upon performance for salvation. You realize that tonight, right? Every major religion relies upon performance for salvation. Let me give you some examples. Hinduism. Hinduism preaches a fourfold path to salvation. There's four things you have to do within Hinduism to achieve to attain, to get to this point of salvation. Okay, what about this? Buddhism. Buddhism leads its followers down an eightfold path to salvation. No, no. Eight different things you have to do if you're a Buddhist to get salvation. 
How about this? Salvation is offered by Islam, rest upon what's called the five pillars. This one hits even closer to home. Catholicism. Catholicism, salvation is gained through fulfilling five sacraments. Man, I'm thankful tonight that when I come to church, I'm not having to come to church to go, well, am I fulfilling the first tenet, the second tenet, the fourth tenet, the fifth tenet, the 20th tenet? What, man, which one am I on, Brother Jim? I just don't know. what I just don't, I'm, not, I'm confused. No, no. This is the world's religion. And here we are. We have the way, the truth, the life. One way, one way only. Man, hallelujah to that right there. I'm thankful tonight that the gospel, the gospel centers around a person for salvation, and that person is Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Peter would declare this in the book of Acts, there is none other name whereby we must be saved. Speaking of Jesus Christ. Paul would go on to say in Acts chapter 13, verse 38, he says, through this man, speaking about Jesus Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. You see, the gospel finds its source, its content, and its meaning in the person, only the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And apart from him, there is no other salvation. Other messages tell men what they must do to be saved, but the gospel tells men what has already been done so that they can be saved. No, no. Listen, religion tells men what they must do to be saved, what they have to do to be saved. You realize tonight that the message that we have in our hands, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ we have in our hands, says this, you don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in him, and you're saved. I don't have to give money? Nope. I don't have to be baptized? Nope. I don't have to join the church? Nope. I don't have to learn all these verses and all these chants? Nope. Don't have to at all. Everything that needed to be done in order for salvation, in order for you to have salvation, has already been done by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Man, what a powerful message right there. What a compelling message. But can I say this again? Do they hear it? Let's get a little bit closer to home. Do they see the message? What do they see? They walk in the doors. They don't know you. They don't know me. They don't know pastor. They hear the choir sing. They hear a special. They hear the word of God preached. Are they seeing the message of the gospel? Or are they just seeing us go through the religious motions? Paul said this, I am debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarians. Notice in verse number 16 of Romans chapter number 1, here's what Paul would say. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see tonight, the gospel is the one message that has the power to save a man from the penalty of his sin. No, no, it's the one message. It's the one message, the one thing that has the power to save you and I from the penalty of sin. Listen, our education doesn't have the power. Our finances don't have the power. Hey, our health, Brother Mike, our health doesn't have the power. Our, our, our street smarts, our skills, listen, none of what we have has the ability to save us from the penalty of sin. The only thing that can is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The blood that was shed upon the cross of Calvary. Man, that is a compelling message. You say, why, 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 brother, why, 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 Pastor Marshall, why, why Riverside Baptist Church would you support missions? Why would you spend money? Why would you pray? Why would you labor? Why would you, why would you give toward programs and ministries and why would you sacrifice to get up early on a Sunday morning and get on a bus and pick up kids? 
Why would you sacrifice your Friday nights to reach people? Why would you sacrifice your Thursday nights to reach young people? Why would you do those things? Can I say tonight the reason why is because we have a compelling message. We have a message that this world tries to mock, ridicule, tries to distort, tries to put down. But I'm thankful tonight that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Listen, lastly, go back to our text there in Mark chapter number 16. Missions tonight is carried out on the foundation of a compassionate God and a compelling message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But notice in our text tonight, number three, missions is carried out on the foundation of a commissioned church. I want you to notice here in verse number 15 what Jesus said to the church there that was gathered around him. It says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You see tonight, Riverside Baptist Church, every church member must be involved in missions. Every church member, by virtue, has been involved in missions. Whether or not they support missions, whether or not they pray for their missionaries, it doesn't matter. Every member of Riverside Baptist Church is somehow, some way involved in missions. It has been said that a missions conference is the church's business meeting to determine the fate of souls. I'll say that again. It has been said that the missions conference is the church's business meeting to determine the fate of souls. One commentator put it like this. He said, the measure of the church's successful missionary effort reveals the moral biography of her individual membership. The measure of the church's successful missionary effort reveals the moral biography of our individual membership. You see, we've got to see tonight, look at our text in verse number 15. We must see, first of all, the imperativeness of missions. Jesus said this, go. Go. Multitudes are being born on a daily basis, and multitudes are dying on a daily basis. Where they spend eternity, whether it be heaven or whether it be hell, depends on whether or not you and I will go. Every person has an eternal destiny. I, I, you know, you, you obviously you don't want to get <clears throat> too political, but we're going to get political for just a second. One of the, uh, probably one of the most political things that has gone on in the last couple of months has been the abortion bill that was signed down in the state of Texas. Man, if you follow the news, or you follow Facebook, or you follow Twitter, or anything else, you see all kinds of this and that, and videos, and comments, and articles, and everything else. You know what the sad thing is? The sad thing is, is that we'll focus on that, and we're pro-life, 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 abortion's murder, abortion's murder, abortion's murder. But when it comes to giving a track for the mic, we're nowhere to be found. We'll talk about the sanctity of a baby in the womb of a mother. Don't get me wrong, I'm totally pro-life. And we'll focus on that, and we'll put comments on Facebook about it, and we'll hoop and holler about all that. But when the preacher gets up and preaches, and the Sunday school teacher gets up and teaches in Sunday school, and when the bus director gets up and challenges us, and when a missionary comes in and shows pictures of soldiers in Ukraine who are going out on the front lines getting shot at, and some of them not returning, we're like, I ain't going. Yeah, right. I'm not going. Missions is more than money. Missions is more than just putting that envelope in the plate. 
Michigan's recognizing that you and I have a responsibility to go. So I can't go to Ukraine, or I can't go to Brazil, or that one over there is Guam. I know that one because it's written on the flag. I can't go to Guam, right? Can't go to Sri Lanka, or Germany, or anywhere else. No, but you can sure help. Yeah, help financially, but pray. But pray. Listen, we have a responsibility as a church to go. If we do not evangelize our generation, this generation will not be evangelized at all. But I want you to know, secondly here, look at verse number 15 again. It says, and he said to them, go, and then the Bible says, ye. Not only is missions imperative, but it's also this, it's inclusive. Jesus didn't say, just go whoever. No, no. He was specifically looking at those that had gathered around, Brother John, the church there. And he said this, go ye. No, no, no. That command was not given to the government. No. Listen, I I don't expect the government to walk around handing out tracts. They might hand out money that ain't theirs, but they ain't handing out tracts, right? No, no, I don't, I, don't expect the government, I don't expect the government to come out and show up on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock and say, hey, we're here to ride the buses, we're here to bring the kids to junior church, we're here to be a blessing and encouragement. Man, we got candy. Man, we got candy to give the bus kids. No, I don't see, I don't, I'm not picturing the government doing that because that's not their responsibility. The go ye is you and I. The go ye is Riverside Baptist Church's responsibility to propagate the gospel. No one is exempt from the responsibility to evangelize the lost. Christ's command means this. It means that you are either sent or you send, but you cannot remain uninvolved and be obedient to Jesus Christ. You say, why do you say that, Brother Andrew? Because look at the latter part of that verse. The Bible says this, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You see tonight, Riverside Baptist Church, God's desire and goal is that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl is evangelized. Why can we say that, Brother Andrew? Well, because in verse number 15, God tells us this, all the world, all the world. But the demand is this, it's to reach every creature. Listen, listen tonight, missions, man, it's more than money. It's more than money. It's built upon a foundation, number one, of God's compassion. The compassion, the love of God. No, no, we look at, we look at John 3, 16, we're like, man, that's Nicodemus. Man, God loves me. Hold up. And there's so much in that verse right there that you can unpack just in that one verse in John chapter 3, verse 16. But it's not just the compassion of God, but it's the compelling message that we have right here in our hands. When was the last time you got a chance to witness to somebody? So, well, Brother Mike hasn't come up the last couple Wednesday nights. I know Brother Mike hadn't been feeling well. Hadn't been feeling well. But if he was to ask tonight, hey, did you give out a track? How many of us would raise our hand? How many would raise our hand just out of habit? No, no, we have a compelling message to give to all mankind. We have a compelling message that men, women, boys, and girls need to hear. Because why? Their eternal destiny is at stake. But not just that. Listen, church, we have a responsibility to go ye. We have a responsibility, not, listen, not just to put money in the offering plate. Not just to, not just to make out a check or put some cash and some change in. Listen, not even just to give the kids change on Sunday night so they can put it in the bucket of blessing. No, no. We have a responsibility, Brother D, to put ourselves in that plate and say, God, I'm all in. Amen. Why? Why? Because God, you are all in. And I'm indebted to you. I'm not indebted to Brother Jim for my salvation. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm not indebted to Miss Mackey for my salvation. You know who I'm indebted to? My Heavenly Father. 
And he established the local church. He put me inside the local church as a member. And you know what he said? He goes, Andrew, here's your responsibility. Go ye. Are you going tonight? Are you giving the message? I'm giving money. No, no, no. That's not money's, money's, well, that's a different message. Are you giving the message? Because listen, there's a lost and dying world. There's some young people tonight that sit in Sunday school up in the teen class. Their life's a mess. They're horrible. Parents are in prison. They have nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Mitch? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They don't need Brother Andrew. They don't need Brother Brett. They don't need Pastor Marshall. You know who they need? Jesus Christ. Are we giving them Jesus Christ? Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for the Word of God. Lord, I pray tonight's message is... Lord, been an encouragement. I'm thankful for Riverside Baptist Church. Thankful, Lord, for our missions program. and Thankful for what we're able to do by the giving of God's people. But Lord, I can't help but think tonight that there's some... Lord, there's some young people that come in on some buses every Sunday. Whether they're in the teen class, or whether they're in the 5th and 6th grade boys and girls, or they're in the kindergarten class, or a junior church... Maybe even adults that come in and sit in the auditorium during the Sunday morning service. And only they and you know whether or not they've ever put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray tonight that we would see missions, the heartbeat of God for what it is. Lord, help us not to go through this month and just kind of go through the motions of meeting the missionaries and hearing their testimonies and seeing their slides and filling out a faith promise card and committing a a, a financial amount to get the gospel out. Lord, help us this month to be willing to put ourselves in that offering plate and to say to you, God, whatever it is, I surrender all. God, I give all. I give of myself to you to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we're indebted tonight. No matter if we've been saved for five minutes or 50 years, we are indebted to you. Lord, we want to thank you for Jesus Christ. As the piano begins to play tonight, we're going to go and stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. The altars are open tonight. Listen, are you going? Are you going?